1: The game is over when the final buzzer sounds. The analysis ends when you say it does. This is Overtime Open Line. Interviews, analysis, and your opinion. Overtime Open Line is brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Now, from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. Reed Reed Wilkins Wilkins on on Oilers Oilers
2: Radio. 6.30 Chad. Bad start, bad finish for the Edmonton Oilers tonight. They lose again, this time to the San Jose Sharks. 6-4 is the final. Dominant performance by San Jose through the first 25 minutes of the game. They were up 3-0. The Oilers had no life at all. Then suddenly they did. Zach Cassian got two breakaways in the second period. Scored on both. Leon Dreisaitl, Tied it late in the third period. And then Brandon Davidson came out early in the third and gave the Oilers the lead. But then San Jose tied it up two and a half minutes later. And then here's the real killer tonight. Edmonton had 3.53 straight on the power play. Late in the third period and could not score to go ahead. Joachim Ryan got his second of the game, second of his career at 17:33. That turned out to be the winner. Joe Pavelski added an empty netter as, once again, the Oilers not good enough. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown, thanks a lot for tuning in. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. You can get us at 780-496-0063. Al Montoya. Was in net tonight for the Edmonton Oilers. Allowed five goals on 29 shots. Really uh, didn't make a crucial save all night. Aaron Dell wasn't that great at the other end either. I mean, not a an, an entertaining game to watch, uh, Rob. A, a pretty wide open at times. Uh, I think probably both teams will be disappointed about a lot of things that, that happened in this game. Uh, I mean, the Oilers horrible off the start. San Jose you know, didn't keep the pedal till they get to the medal and and the Oilers fight back in it. Uh, But in the end, the Oilers can't get the clutch special team and then uh, no save and some uh, coverage errors again in the end.
3: Well, they had poor start, poor specialty teams, poor goaltending, poor communication in their own zone, poor of coverage, and all that. They still had a chance to win this hockey game. Um, We've talked... Uh, uh, lately, that the Oilers' power play has shown some signs of life. Well, tonight was a great chance for their power play to do something. Four straight minutes in the third period, uh, and, and just not good enough. It. I mean, if you you go through their lineup, there were some players that were very good tonight. I thought Casting had a good game. Dry settle had a good game. I thought Russell had a good game. But there's also a lot of players that you'd have you're hard pressed to remember them being out there. Uh, and, and then the biggest thing to me tonight was the play without the puck. There was a lot of poor decision-making defensively, poor decision-making coming back on a back check, um, not getting pucks out of their own zone. Now those are things that sometimes creep into your game when you are out of it. Because all of a sudden stats look a little bit better than wins and losses, because wins and losses don't mean anymore. And tonight there were some players that, that looked that way. So it was it was not near good enough. This was, uh, I mean, everyone talked about the importance of this road trip. Well, you know, this road trip went as bad as it could possibly go, and now the Oilers are 15 points out of a playoff spot for those still keeping track.
2: Yeah, it's over playoff-wise, so obviously we'll see how they play uh, over the last, so I guess they still got 28 games left, uh, quite a few. But uh, tonight, I mean, the Sharks score on their first shot on goal, minute 15 in, 10th time this season out of 54 games. The Oilers have been scored on on the first shot against. I mean, there's a formula for disaster. And then, Rob, you know, I started, I went back through all the box scores and looked at some of the 2 nothing deficits. This was the 10th, also the 10th time, that before the game was 10 minutes old, the Oilers have trailed 2 nothing.
3: That's one every five games. Pretty that, much, yeah, you can't.
2: You can't. That's happened not, a lot recently. It, actually, it
3: has. You're not a playoff hockey club if you if that's the way you start hockey games. Because I mean, and we've talked about it for, for years now on this show is the importance of scoring first. Now I know the Oilers made a comeback, but when you give up a lead early, when you're trailing and chasing, you have to play perfect hockey the remainder of the game. And teams just don't do that. The Oilers did fight back and get the lead, but they, they blew everything they had to get that lead and then the mistakes came in and, and yeah, i i don't know what it is i don't know why they get off to poor starts they've asked connor mcdavid who and i think he would have a pretty good pulse on it and he's he's flustered at why they get off to the starts they do but you this is i mean bottom line this is not a very good hockey club and i think where they are in the standard standings is probably indicative of of the team that they have right now
2: well the ro- i mean the the roster isn't good so and or guys that are not playing anywhere near what We're, they've played earlier in their yep. careers, so therefore you you likely get scored on yeah. <laughs> first first anyway at some point, and, and and I and I do and I do think we've seen this all year, when they they started one and four, and and you know what looking back Rob maybe beating Calgary three nothing in that first game was the worst thing that could have happened to them, because they had Stanley Cup aspirations and predictions by a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Not by you and me, but no. we both thought they'd be in the playoffs yes. coming coming into the season, and you know Calgary didn't play a good game. Oilers roll over them three nothing, and then the next four games, uh, you know flat game in Vancouver, and then they got wiped out badly on that homestand, and and they've been playing catch up ever since. And I, like I I I, regardless of the strength of the roster, which can be debated. I, I don't think they're a confident team. They, I mean, and it's, I know it's hard. I can't, we can't put ourselves in their brains mm-hmm. and know what they're feeling. But we've seen them for 54 times. They don't look at, like a team that expects good things to happen. They, they look tentative.
3: The, the, there's teams that you've seen in the past, successful teams, that looked confident whether they're winning a game or they're losing a game and I mean we were talking I guess this next couple days is all going to be about the eighty forty five Oilers and we've talked they've talked I heard you talking to Andy Moog today the confidence that team had there there was never fear when they were up or down in games when they were winning uh, on a winning streak or a losing streak they always believed in themselves what we've seen over the last couple of years with this Oiler team when things are going well this is a confident bunch and they believe they're world beaters when, adv- when adversity kicks in then all of a sudden that belief is gone. And all teams go through adversity during the course of the season. The Stanley Cup champions, whoever wins this year, at some point during the season, they went through some adversity. But because they're a, a confident team, because they're a strong team, a good team, they went through it still believing in themselves. What we're seeing with this Euler team, that when adversity hits them, they crumble. Yep. And, and you're, you're never going to have success if your belief leaves you in troubled times, because that's when you have to have the most belief.
2: Yeah, a lot of problems. Uh, I mean, the, the, we talked about the goaltending, the save percentage. Well, as Bob said, it might now be last in the league, with second last coming into tonight. And the first goal, too. I mean, and that's the thing, Rob. There, as I've always said, there's a reason they're called saves. The, you know, was Montoya screened on the first shot? Sure, but it's also coming from the blue line, and if you're having a good night in goal, you find those. And it wasn't Brett Burns, of, and and it wasn't a blast yeah. that yeah. went in under the crossbar. Yeah. That's going to go in ninety-five percent of the time. So so that's you know that's been a factor. They they haven't gotten the saves, and and that's another reason games have tended to to spin out of control, or or when it is tied, they haven't been able to make the clutch play defensively or offensively at the right time. Another tough one for the Oilers 6-4, San Jose wins it that does mean a $100 donation to the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation from Booster Juice an oasis of freshness in a fast-paced world they donate $25 every time the Oilers score, you can track the total on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com Okay, Jonathan is on the line Hey Jonathan Hey guys, up there Colin. Yeah, good. I'm ready to play this, let's do it Well, you don't want to talk about the game at all? You just want to finish the play?
4: Okay, sure. Let's let's dive into the game here.
2: Well, you don't have to. We could could just finish the play.
4: No, no, no. I'll I'll talk a little bit here. Um, I think a big reason why we lose games is number 77. Like, Clefbaum, uh, I think maybe he's a little overhyped. What do you guys think? I mean, like, he he gets so many shots. He gets so many chances. He just doesn't bury anything.
2: I think he's had a tough year. Very tough year. And, I mean, he got 12 I, I, goals last year. He's got, what, three this year? Yeah.
4: Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, three goals. When you look at their defense, they have about, like, within 20 shots of his, but they have, like, five more goals, you know, something like that. So maybe uh, maybe his shots, like, overhyped and stuff like that. I don't know. Maybe we just put, like, too much pressure on the guy.
2: Well, sorry, Rob. No, go ahead. He, he was one of the guys that the Oilers hoped or thought could be at or close the same level as as last year, and he hasn't been at, at either end of the ice. Now, yes, he, you know, he was injured, so that didn't help, but, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, I mean, he like I said, he got 12 goals last year, he has three. So if he finishes with five, there's minus seven from last year. Maroon's probably going to be minus, you know, is seven, gonna be seven minus, or eight. Yeah. Lucic is going to drop off from, from last year. So you've lost a whole bunch of goals from last season. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, Jonathan, let's do this. Here we go. Centering pass, clipped the side of the net, advanced to OV2. Left wing, long shot, juicy rebound, rebound, Oh block on Cassian. And then he tried to center, and Dell gives up another juicy rebound. All right, chance there for Cassian. How many goals did he score tonight? He got
5: two bingos.
2: Absolutely. <laughs> Hang on the line, Jonathan. You get an eight-day parking pass. To JetSet U Park, brought to you by JetSet Parking. Park cheap and easy. Visit JetSetParking.com. Our most enthusiastic is to play winner of the year.
3: I think, despite the Oilers' lost, Jonathan has enjoyed his evening. Well, that's fine. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. fine. I mean, it's still sports. Still should be a distraction. I think it's not sports that's distracting him tonight.
2: Well right but that ties into the whole Absolutely you know, good for him. Yeah, it's Saturday night. Well, if you, you know It was to... it was a 10-goal game which we don't see No, well, well, it was the I mean NHL. it was
3: entertaining. It wasn't uh fulfilling if you're an other fan but it was certainly entertaining. Uh there was a ton of scoring chances there, I mean there were chances that were missed in a game that had 10 goals and the goaltenders, that I Hard pressed to remember. Guy either really goalie made make a save. Yeah, I don't I mean, remember a big save.
2: Del. Well, Dell stopped Slepyshev early in the second. But, but it was, we didn't think it would matter. No,
3: but it was uh, one where it just it, it hit him. It was he didn't make a he didn't come across to make a save. He just he just y- hit him.
2: You know what, Montoya that pad save when he was down uh, early in the first. Time. Oh, that's true. Only one nut. That that was that was a good save. But yeah, I mean it was you 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 expected. You almost expected every shot t- to go in. Mm-hmm. And actually, on that power play, to be fair, that cost the Oilers a chance. Strom did have that one shot that hit Dell's arm and trickled wide by True. two inches. That was as close as they really came on that uh, that power play. But, it, I mean, it, and, it, and it's maddening, too, because before the game, we're talking about Strom's slump, Lucic's slump, depth scoring. So who scores tonight? Zach Cassian gets two, who has six goals on the season. So... Mm-hmm. Davidson he's, gets he, one. I, re, I mean, really, Cassian is a, not a secondary scorer. He's a tertiary <laughs> tertiary scorer. Is that really a word? Yes. And Davidson is not expected to score. No. And uh, who got the other? Oh, Leon got Leon the other one. And, so, and so Leon was three, excellent. Leon had a good game. So yeah. three So th- three of the four goals come from unexpected sources. Mm-hmm. So it's great. You get, like, you get four, but David doesn't get a point, and you get four.
3: That should be a, an automatic win. Yeah, but it was the play without the puck tonight yeah. for the Edmonton Oilers. It, it was not near good enough, and and then you start thinking of the players that were put into the lineup like, and OV2 in the lineup tonight, he was alright, I mean it wasn't, the, the mistakes weren't from guys that were just plugged into the lineup, the mistakes and I go back well, to the Maroon one Maroon's I,
2: checking is abysmal
3: it is, it has been, and, and the, the one goal tonight, he was behind his net he was the low guy, so everyone else when you're in your defensive zone you are trusting your teammate, it's all about trust because you've got to believe that someone is doing their job so that you don't have to cheat and do theirs too. So he's the low guy, so everyone's taking their man. And if they show the overhead, he goes from behind his net and he just skates right up towards the boards where the puck is. And the puck goes right back to his man and turtle all by himself. And this is, I believe at that point, the Oilers had just gotten the lead, did yeah, they Yes, so it was 4-3 yeah, It was 4-3 for the Oilers. So you just can't do that in a hockey game that you need to win. And you've got the lead and it's a huge comeback and everything's going right for you and you just make a mental mistake like that. And it's not being made by uh, a, a, a Pugliarvi or, or, or an Ovidu or, or guys that are either younger or less experienced in the National Hockey League. This is supposed to be, this is a guy in his contract year who's looking for a big deal. And last night, same thing, huge part of the hockey game. He's coming back, he's standing beside Kessler, doesn't take a stick away. You you just can't make those uh, poor decisions defensively in close hockey games, and uh, he, you need more out of your veteran players, and that's what's frustrating if you're an yeah. other fan.
2: Well, and even the play that led to the winning goal, Lucic keeps the puck in at the line. You know, no, he wasn't in a great situation, but a weak, blind attempt to dump it back mm-hmm. in into the middle of the ice instead of a, a flip down the wall. And San Jose breaks back the other way.
3: Well, and, and as it ve- happens
2: over and over again. Like it's the- yeah.
3: And as a veteran player, defensively, where where are the teams taking away the chances from? They're going to be clogging up the middle of their own zone. So if you if you're going to blow throw something blind from the blue line, you throw it down the boards because you know yep. that they're staying to the inside because they're not going to give you free access to the middle of the ice. So as soon as you turn and throw it towards the net you're going through four or five bodies. It gets blocked, they come back down and goal. So, I mean, that's again a veteran player not realizing the situation. And those are the mistakes and they don't seem like really big mistakes. But when you're playing against good hockey clubs, and San Jose is a good hockey club, you turn the puck over and now you're all caught down low because you're you're the forward at the blue line and your other forwards are all down low. And as soon as you turn that puck over, they've got numbers and you're in trouble.
2: Oilers lose six four to the San Jose Sharks. It was a wild one. Sharks led three nothing. Then the Oilers led four three and then San Jose gets the final three goals of the game in the third period. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We have Kim online two. Hey Kim.
5: Hey, I couldn't believe the same end result. They can't win consecutively. And this is so frustrating. You know, I, I get more of an entertainment from listening to you guys on the radio than I do watching it on TV.
2: Well, I find that hard to believe. But we appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, they, I mean Kim, they, they, they haven't had a good extended um, stretch. All, like, okay, they won four in a row before Christmas, and then prior to this California Road Trip, they were 5-1-1 one, one in a stretch of seven games. I mean, teams that make the playoffs have 15 game stretches where they go 10, 3, and 2. And then, yeah, they might have losing streaks, but you've banked points. Peter Shirelli used that phrase early last year, we're harvesting points. Well, the Oilers have never had a a stretch where you say, well, you know what, they they lost a few, but they snuck out a few points or got into shootouts, and, you know, they had a month where they went, you know, 8, you know, eight, three, and three, or something like that. It's never happened.
3: The others are going to starve this year. They haven't harvested well. Well, that's wealth.
2: right. There's no, they haven't put banked anything.
5: Well, that's, you know, they're basically bankrupt as far as points are concerned because you know they just can't seem to get it together. And I recorded all these games, and after listening to it on the radio, that's all I could handle. You know, I got my entertainment value, but I couldn't watch any game on the PVR because of it because well, of the way they were playing. I just couldn't watch
2: it. Well, that's okay, buddy. We're here to talk to you. Thanks for calling, Kim. Okay, thanks. All right, we'll get to Luke next on the open line in a second. Let's go back to San Jose. Here's Oilers head coach Todd McClellan. Kind of putting a stop to that
1: and fighting back.
2: Yeah, you could look at it that way, or let's get ready
1: and, and uh, yeah. not fall behind. You know, I thought at the end of the night, you know, anywhere from the, the second, the third, the fifth goal, we're all on our tape, and we uh, we found ways to give them the puck in important areas, and they scored. So, um, great that we had some um, fortitude to come back and, and push in the game, and I don't question that from our group. But the uh, the game management again was was poor in a number of different areas, and you're not going to score uh, six many nights in this league to win. You now, San Jose did do that tonight, but uh, we certainly helped them
6: hurdle
1: goal in particular where they uh, tied it up again what did you see there he was a, we had a forward that was down low and um, he followed the puck instead of stopping and playing uh, his position and, and uh, got beat out of the corner and and those plays happen The, the off our tape turnovers are the ones that bother me the second goal is unacceptable uh, the third goal is unacceptable even the the game winner was one that we had on our tape, and we just lobbed it into the middle, and down it went.
7: After three close losses, what's the biggest takeaway or learning that you're going to improve on or work on when you get
1: back to it? Well, we have have a lot to work on as a team. Um, Special teams, uh, you know, defensive, offensive. uh, We have to work on our whole game.
2: All right, well, Todd McClellan echoing some of the, the puck maintenance issues that the Oilers had uh, tonight and have had throughout much of the season. The, the second goal, which seems like a long time ago now, given the, the number of goals that wound up being scored, Davidson fanned on a pass to Nurse in the corner. But, you know, okay, not a disaster. Yep. It, it, it
3: happens it wrecked, all the time. Wrecked
2: the rhythm a little bit. Yep. Nurse goes to throw it back to him behind the net. He partially fans on it. Uh, it ticks the referee's skate, hits the side of the net, bounces not out front of the net, but in front of the icing line to the side. Montoya is looking the other way, and Pavelski just just taps it in.
3: Yeah. Well, I mean, Montoya's not even looking the other. He's looking straight ahead. And well, he wasn't. No, he wasn't looking, yeah, no, he wasn't at, the looking at the puck, which I found was weird. I mean, mistakes happen, and I think. Over the last little while, if you're a goaltender for the Oilers, you realize mistakes happen a lot in your own zone. So I I, I, and I'd love to be able to talk to a goalie, and I might uh, maybe when we the Oilers come home, I'll talk to the goalie coaches about that, how they're supposed to approach that, because Montoya is not looking at all at the play, and the play was behind the goal line. It went from one side to the other, and it was on its way back, and the puck comes out. I mean, if if the goaltender's looking and following the play, he he covers. I don't know if he saves. I don't know if Pavelski comes around. He's got time to make a play. But this was an easy one, and it was just a bad bounce, bad break. But it was by two casual passes going back and forth. And when you're a team that is struggling, it seems like those mistakes end up in the back of the net more than not. 6-4
2: San Jose takes this one tonight. The Oilers one goal short of the Japanese Village goal light on the Oilers page on 630chad.com. We activate it whenever the Oilers score five or more in a game. Then you can print up a coupon for a free appetizer to Japanese Village. Three locations in Edmonton, downtown, south side, and north side. Oilers power play 0 for 3 tonight. San Jose's power play for one some of the uh, multiple point guys tonight Cassian had two goals Camillary had two assists Dreisaitl had a goal and an assist all right we have Luke calling in tonight hello Luke hey guys how's it going hey we're doing pretty well how are you oh uh, well
0: I mean after that performance uh, not too great but uh I'd like to start off just uh give Jack Michaels a
2: Uh,
3: Hmm.
0: a round of applause after uh, calling a game after it sounded like you swallowed the belt, (laughs) Sanders.
2: Yeah, he was having a (laughs) tough night tonight. (laughs)
0: Yeah, Uh, but I'm just wondering, like, what is your guys' take? Like, I mean, I I think we can all agree that the team isn't as bad as what we've seen so far this season. I mean, even though, like, we're in the much latter half of the season, but do you think it's kind of been a perfect storm of we overachieved last year with guys like, you know, Talbot really being clutch last year and like Clef bomb playing well <laughs> and the Caribbean healthy and you know guys that wouldn't maybe necessarily chip in goals like Drake. Yep. And
2: all, yeah yeah. I think there's something to that to Sure.
0: Year, and then coming to this year it's like it's everything seems and it's always it's like either a backup goalie is feeling the game. Has no business doing so, especially when you've got arguably the best player in the game with McJesus, or it's a guy who hasn't scored in 38 games or 50 some games who gets the game winner on us, you know. And I think that's the frustrating part for us is that, you know, especially for me because I'm in Ontario, so I got to stay up two hours later and I get hmm. little kids. Okay. Well, <laughs> yeah. I, I
3: honestly, I, I think there's a couple things, and you touched on them. One, I think. The Oilers overachieved last year. I don't think their, their record in the regular season, I don't think they were as good as their record. I think Cam Talbot was all-world. I think he was Vezina trophy type of season he had that he covered up a lot of warts on this team. So I think that's one big reason because this year he's, he's average.
2: Well, he's, he's below average. Below
3: average, I yeah. I guess, yeah. Saved. So they got the worst or second worst save percentage in the league. So I think goaltending has been huge. And I think the other one is expectations. When nobody's expecting anything of you, and no one was expecting the Oilers to have the season they had last year, it's yeah. easy it's to play. It's really easy to play that way because there's no pressure. If you have a bad game, you have a bad game. It doesn't really matter because you weren't supposed to be good. But when the expectations this year, when people are proclaiming the others to be Stanley Cup finalists or winning the Stanley Cup and the odds in Vegas say they're, they're going to be there, now when you have a bad game, there's some criticism, there's some critiques, and there's adversity. And this team didn't have to face that last year because of the, there was no expectations. So now you start to panic a little bit. You, it starts to get rattled a little bit. And I think that's what you're seeing on some players, and Clefbaum would be one, that he, because the expectation, I had 12 goals last year, this is what they're expecting again. And I think his game is the most that you've seen that has been rattled this year. And a guy like Maroon, who had uh, you know, a career year last year, now he's in his cr- contract season, and he's going to play with McDavid, and he's going to score 30 goals this year, and he's going to have a big contract. When things go sideways, now your confidence is rattled. So, to me, goaltending and the expectations are the two biggest reasons I believe the Oilers are where they are this year.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think, uh, Luke, I understand what you're saying. Uh, I mean, there, there are some very extreme things that you wouldn't expect to continue like both special teams being last in the league and the first goal stuff yes some unusual things have happened that have haunted the Oilers having said that they haven't played they haven't played well enough nope. i mean overall i mean you could argue maybe with a break or two or a couple things being better maybe they've won three or four more games they they, they still wouldn't be on the play, in the playoffs I, I don't think i mean i still i still think at the end of the day you get the record you deserve
3: mm-hmm. Usually it always equals out at the end of the season. Yeah.
2: But I think your point is that there's probably some things you're hoping that wouldn't be um, as unusually bad as as they are this year, next year. Is that what you mean?
0: Well, for sure. And, I mean, you know, I mean, I, I grew up in Sherwood Park. and You know, I mean, I know how hockey-mad Edmonton is. And, it, obviously, I'm here in Ottawa, which, I mean, it's kind of not a hockey-mad city. I mean, everybody, you know, I mean... I guess the younger generation of fans that are coming up now are true sense fans or whatever, but everybody was a fan from Toronto or Montreal right. or Boston, whomever before, you know? And so I, I know how, especially in Edmonton, everybody lives and breathes hockey,
3: you know,
0: it, it's just very, you know, it, it's just frustrating. And I mean, you can see it. We're, we're talking about the same guys all the time that are putting in the effort that, you know, like, the Darnell Nurses and the Chris Russells and uh, Nuge this year and, you know, but then you you look at some guys that are, you know, like the Maroons or Looch or, you know what I mean, they're kind of just not really, it's like they'll go on for a few games and it looks like they're they're turning it on and then all of a sudden, (laughs) boom, it's back off again.
2: Yeah, yep. very streaky. And and I think both guys were also streaky last year, but this year the it's been more of the slump than the streak for sure. Yeah,
0: yeah well, and, and, and the worst, and I just, you know, I mean, because I read all the blog stuff and everything else, and you see all the, you know, everybody out for, you know, uh, Shirelli's head or, or, you know, McClellan or whatever. And I honestly feel, I mean, I think Todd McClellan is probably, one of the best coaches we've had in a long, long time.
8: Mm-hmm.
0: And, I mean, I think he's, he's got the attention of the group. I just think it's been kind of like this weird, you know, perfect storm kind of scenario that's happened. And, I mean, I also think that we don't, we could use a couple of more uh, shooter wingers. Sure. I you mean, know, like we're kind of, we were kind of, you know, hope and prayer on a couple of guys that, you know, I mean, JP at the start of the year that didn't pan out, and then now he is doing really well and the slap chev that I think we all thought we were going to see. hasn't really panned out, and, you know, I mean, so I'm, I'm sure there's some moves there, some acquisitions that could be made, uh, but it's just like, oh, it's frustrating, and I'm yep. sure you guys agree.
2: But oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, I mean, the season's much drearier than I ever, ever thought it could be. Luke, thanks for staying up and uh, giving us a call, okay? Stay on, guys. Uh, love your show. Bye. All right. Thanks, Luke. That's Luke checking in, 780-496-0063. Jared is up next. You'll also hear from Leon Dreisaitl and Zach Cassie and two of the better Oilers tonight. But the Sharks take it 6-4. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre.
1: This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Now, from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre, Reed
2: Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 6.30pm. Yoakim Ryan gets his first two NHL goals, including the game winner tonight, helping San Jose beat Edmonton 6-4. Zach Cassian scored twice for the Oilers. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. It's 11-23-780-496-0063 is the phone number. Jared is on the line. Jared, hello. Good evening, guys. I just got a couple of questions for Rob, and then a couple of quick comments is...
8: At what point I mean the last time I think I talked to Reed they they hadn't lost these three games so I would say as of now the playoffs are are pretty much yep. not non-existent and I would say as Rob is you know from your experience at what point do the players kind of believe it's over and they kind of take their foot off the gas and the other thing is when I watched Todd McClellan after the games he seems to have calmed down a fair bit in the sense of Like, where do you think he thinks the team is at in in the sense of, you know, like the direction he should be going this year? Should he just keep cracking the whip or kind of ease back? And the other thing I just want to make a comment about uh, Chris Russell in the sense that I like him as a defenseman, but I don't like the fact that he's always leaving his feet to block shots. And I think because of the fact that he backs in a lot onto his goalie, that he always puts himself in a position to block shots which is a little bit different than blocking shots if you're challenging the, the shooter or the puck carrier. And the other thing is with Brett Burns, who I also like as a defenseman. But I gotta tell you, tonight he had about seven or eight brutal giveaways in his own zone. And if there's any pressure on him, even when he was on, I think, that uh, in that World Cup, if there's any heat on him, he's actually, I would say, fairly poor at handling the puck in terms of getting out of tight places. If he's in open ice, he's fairly good. But I mean that when he took that penalty on that shift, he had maybe two or three chances to get it out. He couldn't get it out on the backhand. He got stripped another time, and he just he throws a lot of blind passes up on the uh, on the boards there. But just uh, Rob, if you could just. just quick, qu-
2: yeah. quickly, Jared. Did you know Brent Burns is minus twenty four on the season? You yeah. know a lot of people don't like the plus minus stat anymore, yeah. but that's kind of a but kind of a shocker.
8: Every game I've seen him play, like up close, God, is he awful on his own? <laughs> boat. I'm not talking about like taking the man out, but when he's got the puck, he, he just throws it anywhere. If he, if he has time, he's okay. But he, when they were even in Edmonton, here, I was watching him like man, like. How does he make those type of plays? So he makes these three brutal plays. Then he takes the penalty, and then he's out on the next shift. And I always wonder about that with coaches. And there's other players, like maybe like an Anton Slepashev. If he would have given one of those
2: pucks away, he would have been riding the pine for the rest of the period. Okay, Jared, so your questions were, uh, is the team going to check out, and is McClellan calm? Like, were those your
3: questions? No, you no. want to know how, what you what, what Todd should do now. Okay.
2: Yeah, what he should
8: do now, and, and is he like, Kind of just in, just given up mode. Not given up, but that it's really no
3: cause. No, no. With with Todd and the coaching staff, they'll have a win every game mentality, and that's the way they'll treat it. They'll get up every day. They'll be at the rink at 6 a.m. Going through all the video that they'd gone over the night before. They'll have a plan in place. They they won't change anything from what they've been doing all year long. For the players, what when you see, and this is just from watching through my through my career. When you see a player check out, it's usually in the defensive responsibilities. Because once the season is more or less over, you'll see certain players start to cheat a little bit, trying to get points because the the wins and losses aren't as important, but the the personal stats will become a little more important. Not all players. But there will be players. So, when you start to see players cheating defensively, is when you start seeing players thinking that the season is over. And I'm not saying which players are going to do it, but you watch the games and you can tell me yourself. As for Brent Burns, Brent Burns uh, is a guy that is high risk, high reward. He's got, there's some things that he can do that no one else can do. And the reason that he has a longer leash is because he's a guy that's won a Norris Trophy and has the capability of scoring 30 goals a season as a defenseman. But, he's not a perfect player and you see that when the pucks on his stick in his own zone sometimes he makes plays that he think he, he thinks he can make but are ill-advised, and we saw that tonight.
2: Well, I mean, I, I mean look, it, it wasn't a very clean game tonight. Nope. I
3: mean, nope, I mean it the, like, that's what made it exciting.
2: Yeah, that's, that is what made it exciting. I mean, you had no idea what was what was going to happen. Uh, I mean, when Davidson scored, Rob said, well, 7-6 final. <laughs> it ends up 6-4 for San Jose because uh, the Oilers couldn't do their part and get get to 6 or 7 for sure. Jared, good call. Always good to hear from you. The three stars tonight as picked by our friend Dan Ruzanowski from the Sharks broadcast booth. Ryan with two goals, Hurdle with a big goal, and Pavelski, another strong game for him. So uh, no Oilers get an official star. So our fourth star of the game for Missionary Allen Auctioneering. Check out maauctions.com for industrial and automotive sale dates. Is Leon Dreisaitl and we'll go back to San Jose and hear from him.
7: Uh, Yeah, I mean, you know, I think it shows that we do have character in here and that we, um, you know, we don't give up, but um, you know, I think that's the difference from this year to, to last year, where um, you know we we would we would come back in these games and we would find a way to win them. And um, this year we, we it seems like we, we, we find ways to lose those games. So um, it's it's frustrating, obviously. It's tough because you know in all
1: three of those games you weren't
7: outplayed; you were right there. It's just like you said, that there was one play at the end or whatever that goes their way instead of yours. Yeah, I think you summed it up perfect um you know I think every game could have went either way but just seems like we um you know we have that maybe maybe sometimes it's a bad balance or sometimes we're not sharp enough in the final minutes to um you know to close it out or at least uh, get it into overtime so um like I said uh it's it's frustrating right now
2: well it is that's Leon Dreisaitl and and, uh, Rob I mean one I mean, you look at the final score for a game and you say, like, okay, well, that was a blowout or this happened or this happened. Every game starts, I mean, here's the obvious statement, but every game starts tied. Every game has key moments. And you look at these games on this road trip, 2-2, third period LA, can't kill a penalty. Mm -hmm. Uh, Anaheim, give up an early goal, down 2-1, going to the third and get scored on early in the third. And then tonight, 4-4. Okay, even so, you know you have to, and you know this as a player. I mean, you and I have talked about this. And you have to forget about everything happened before Mm -hmm. beforehand. Four-four score on the power play. We likely win this game. Key moment. Oilers don't do it. Then offensive zone turnover winds up in their own net. So, I mean, yeah, I think I think Leon's Leon's right. There, there are times you seize control or take control in a game to give yourself the advantage. And the Oilers don't make those plays.
3: Well, what you're seeing also a bit more, and Leon alluded to it too, that last year they would be tied, they'd get a power play, they'd score a goal, they'd win a hockey game, or they'd come back in a hockey game uh, that they were down early and they'd take charge and they would hold on to win a hockey game. Last year they knew they were going to win hockey games. This year they're hoping that they win hockey games, and that goes to confidence. This is a team that doesn't have the belief. That power play, they have four minutes straight of power play time in the third period to score a goal to win a hockey game. And they did not look near as confident in those four minutes than they had in a power play they had in the first period.
2: They lost momentum. Oh, absolutely
3: they did. And the San Jose Sharks seized that momentum with the big penalty kill, and they were the better team after coming out of that kill. So, yeah, it's, it's just there's a hope now, and you can't win by hoping. You have to believe, and the belief's just not there. I can tell you that
2: Canada has a couple Olympic medals, snowboarders Max Perot and Mark McMorris getting silver and bronze respectively in slope style. In mixed curling, Caitlin Laws and John Morris finishing first in the round robin in the mixed doubles. So they uh, clinch a spot in the playoffs. In the NHL tonight, Sabres beat the Bruins 4-2, but Eichel was uh, injured in that game. Maple Leafs double up the Senators 6-3. Predators behind a strong outing from Pecorine beat the Canadians 3-2 in a shootout. Lightning knock off the Kings 4-3. Blue Jackets drub the Devils 6-1. Flyers over the Coyotes 4-3 in a shootout. Wild blank the Blackhawks 3-0. Carolina wins at home 3-1 against Carolina. Oil Kings uh, won this afternoon 4-3 against Red Deer. And Ty Raddy, a penalty shot in overtime to win it for the Oilers farm team. Final Bakersfield 6, Ontario 5. Your score is courtesy Advantage Trailer Rentals. Here on 630, Chad, you heard the Sharks outscore the Oilers 6-4. Crazy one. Sharks were up 3-0. Then the Oilers were up 4-3. And then San Jose gets the last three goals of the game. We have Steve on the line. Hello, Steve. Hey. Hello. How are you? We're doing okay. What's on your mind? Oh, it's
4: pretty basic stuff. Spent <laughs> a lot of time listening and watching and I know it's not your job, but there has to be a why, right?
3: A why on sure. what? Yeah.
4: Like a why. Like a why are they not I i mean rob said they're not as good as they were last year mm-hmm. i believe they are i just don't believe they're we've lost everything Talbot's not as good that's not Clef not as good why
3: i i just th- i think I, and i'm going to say it again i think they overachieved last year do you Cause i do don't. i I, <laughs> I do i i think they overachieved i don't think they were as good as a regular season was last year. I think their goaltending was incredible last year and covered up a lot of warts. And I think there was a lot of nights that they won on the back of two forwards and, and a goaltender. Uh, and I think this year with their goaltender being below average, they the warts are exposed. And I think I think they are better than what they've shown. I think they're better than what their record is. I think this is a team that's capable of being a playoff hockey club. But I I do believe that they overachieved last year, and the expectations were way too high, way too high for what this team is.
4: For this year, I I agree with that completely. But, like, is it Talbot needs to be traded, or is it?
3: Well, Talbot needs to get back to where he was. I know being traded, I mean, it's it's easy to say, well, let's go get a brand-new goaltender that can be a number-one goalie. It's hard to find. Yeah. You, you you just don't find goaltenders. Teams aren't giving up their number one goalie. So you can say let's trade for a goalie who I mean someone mentioned to me someone today said well we should trade for for Dell. Well Dell didn't look very good tonight either for the San Jose no, Sharks. Not at all. So I it's not like you can say, All right, well you know what, let's go get Pecorino. He's really good. It it just doesn't happen. So Talbot needs to be where he was. And I'm hoping that he's capable of getting back there, hoping that last year wasn't a flash in the pan. Uh, yeah,
4: everyone at Edmonton is hoping. That. Yes,
3: absolutely. Because and there's we
4: also push everyone out of the entire system, right? Petrie, Everly
3: Well, there's there's been a lot of players that have left here that have gone on to other teams and are playing well, yeah. That we push them out. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, the the, the, the Oilers fans. I don't fans, know if that's totally. Oilers totally fans fair. are. I mean. I mean, Oilers fans are, are very vocal on players they like and players that they feel need to be better. And, and it's you know it's great when you're winning, and it's tough sometimes playing in a, in a market that is so consumed by hockey. Um, but. I, <laughs> Yeah, I I, I mean, I I don't think getting on a player. I mean, I'm not a guy that's ever going to go boo a a player in a hockey game, whether I like him or not. And I got a kid that's 16 that goes to the hockey games, and I don't want him doing it either. But I know that fans pay their money, and they get to go and and do whatever they want at the hockey games. But I can tell you it's a lot harder to play when someone's booing you. And I don't think that that's what this team needs right now. Although I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that are very disappointed in the way the season's gone, and rightfully so. I mean, even if this is not a Stanley Cup championship-type team, this team is certainly underachieved for, for what they have on their roster. This is a team that should be in the running for a playoff spot. They should be in the mix with the L.A.s, the San Jose, the Anaheim's, the Calgary's. They should be there, and they've underachieved to that. So I believe they overachieved last year, and I certainly believe they've underachieved by quite a bit this year.
4: Okay, so then the answer is you've spent a lot of time watching and it's your career to do this. Tell me why.
2: <laughs> well, but what are you getting at? I mean, we've talked about the, the penalty kill. We've their the their goal-tending. goaltending
3: isn't good I enough. Their goaltending's exactly. not good enough. Their penalty killing has been terrible on home ice and their power play. But
4: I know the answers and I know the reasons that they're shitty at, oh, sorry, they're bad at penalty killing and their goaltending isn't good enough. But why are they not good enough?
3: Well, maybe, well, then maybe maybe he isn't good enough. I don't know. I, we're, that's why we're waiting to see if Talbot bounces back or and becomes that goalie. Hmm? Or
4: power play or penalty kill. Like, why are
3: they not good? Well, you know, honestly, Kay, the power play should be better. And it, 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 I that, one, that one is the one that uh, they've got the best player in the world on their team. That power play's got to get better. I think it would get better with a right-handed defenseman that can fire the puck from the back end. I think that is something that they need. I think their penalty killing is the one that's the toughest to talk about because their penalty killing is the number one penalty killing unit on the I road. Know. And so that's one, I, and I'd, I have no idea, no idea how that could be possibly uh, happen where you've got the exact same unit, the exact same structure, and number you're 50... One and number 30. Yeah, that makes no sense, and I don't know if anyone can answer that.
2: Thanks, Steve. Appreciate it. 780-496-0063. Oilers lose 6-4. We have Kyle standing by. Hey, Kyle.
6: Hey, how are you guys? Good. Well, <laughs> stuff following uh, a lot of the negative people. I actually have hope uh, in this team, and I think it's a relatively young team who uh, they're they're learning, and you know, this is all character building and if they ever make it to the playoffs again. It's, you know, don't count your opposition out. Look at Anaheim last year. Um, I just, I I see good things. I see character building, and I have high hopes for the team. I'm not not actually that upset. It's disappointing that they don't make it, but I understand. My question to you, there's two. Um, One, what um, three players, I think it was three players that, um, Shirelli traded for Reinhardt, uh, the, the draft pick. Can you, do you know um, which three players? Yes, yeah, you
2: know, there was two players. Matt Barzell is one and uh, Mitchell Stevens is the other, who the Islanders didn't pick. They traded that pick to Tampa Bay, and Tampa Bay took them.
6: Okay. And then my second question is, just based on the moves that you've seen Shirelli make since coming in, do you see more positive or... More negative or a
2: lot? I think I think okay. Peter Shirelli's last ten months have been a complete disaster. I think before that he did a lot that helped the team. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Kyle. Appreciate it. All right. Oilers lose six four. We got to take a quick timeout. It's eleven thirty nine. Canadian Brew House Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center.
1: This is the Canadian Brew House Overtime Open Line
2: on Oilers Radio. 630 chair. Congratulations to Glenn. He's our face-off trivia winner. He knew that Yari Curry had four hat-tricks in the 1985 playoffs. Glenn gets a $50 gift card to Buffet Royale Carvery from Armour Insurance. Protect your car, home, and business with Armour at ArmorInsurance.ca. Tonight, the Oilers lose 6-4 to the San Jose Sharks. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown in the 630 Chet studio. We have Nathan on line three. Hello, Nathan. How are you doing? Hi. Good
5: couple things uh, that I've noticed this year compared to last, like Rob had mentioned about the overachieving last year. And, you know, I could agree with that to a point. But the problem is, is these games that they're falling short this year, what I'm finding is they're not playing with the passion and determination that they did last year. And you have to say who's accountable for that. And just watching this team, I honestly feel as much as I like McClellan as a coach, I think the coaching staff has lost the dressing room this year. Um, you know, Connor's played great, but and aside from Talbot not having the year that he was having last year, he, ha- he hasn't been entirely awful. Backups, Montoya hasn't been playing good at all. He doesn't look good. But um, I do truly believe that there's a disconnect, and I, I don't find, aside from Trelley's moves like you guys were saying the last 10 months, have been a disaster, I think, in a lot of our eyes. But they're, just, they're not playing with, with that grit and determination that's needed for any team to, to be a playoff
3: contending team. Okay, what's
2: your other point?
5: Well, I guess I kind of summarized it all there. That's that's basically it.
3: No, I, I agree. I agree. They they, they don't have the, the the same intensity emotion that we saw last year, especially in the playoffs. Hasn't no, been No, but
2: Nathan saying that's the coaching staff's fault, Rob. No,
3: I I don't believe I don't believe that. I don't think the the coaching staff has lost the room. I I believe that a lot of it is on the players. I, but I'm, uh, having said that there's things that the coaching staff has done wrong this year and and that needs to get better as well I think it's uh, everyone it's all in on this one.
2: Alright Greg on the line hey Greg. Hey Reid uh,
9: hello Rob okay so I have a very brief comment and it is that um, I believe that it starts with the captain and despite his obvious talent and uh, uh, leadership ability um, I think he has to take it a step further I think that um, it's got to be tough at 21 years of age but he has to motivate and inspire i think even the older players who have the family responsibilities and um i think that's what it comes down to um i think that also the team definitely has the ability to come back when they're down but it's 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 about uh going further so coming back isn't, isn't enough they have to go further uh have a great night
2: yeah well like we talked about they don't they don't make the key play. No, I mean, so, not at
1: the right
3: moment.
2: I mean, yeah, yes, they've been blown out and shut out far too often this season. But they they've lost a lot of close games too, where it's like. Going back to that mm-hmm. Philadelphia game early in the season, 1-1 one, one tie. The well, Philadelphia scores late.
3: We, we talked about it before the game. They can't make the big mistake, and the others continue to make the big mistake at the wrong times.
2: Something they got to get out of their game are adjustment of the game for the Alberta College and Association of Chiropractors. If it hurts, see a chiropractor. Visit albertachiro.com. Okay, Rocket on line one. Hey, Rocket.
9: Hey, guys. How you doing? Pretty good. So I'm just kind of wondering like, where we go from here. There's... I know, Rob. You talked about Patty Maroon tonight, and I watched that game today, tonight. And Patrick Maroon seems like so disinterested. It's almost like he's, you know, folded his tent And and in in, in a you know in a contract year, I don't know why he's doing this. I don't understand like why this guy is playing the way he's playing. But it's absolutely horrific. To watch and the no look passes. I've seen so many big guys like Lucic throw no look passes like just look first. That's a coaching thing. Look before you pass. And he's throwing beach balls everywhere.
3: Yep, I can't argue with anything you said there. Absolutely right.
2: Anything else, Rocket? Nope.
3: Okay, good to hear from
2: you. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the puck maintenance, like we talked about earlier, has been substantial most of the season. And
3: the one thing that you and I have talked about a lot on Milan Lucic, I thought that his strength would, would be board work in his own zone. And he might he might be the weakest player on his own team on, when the puck comes to him in his own zone for just blind passes. To get it out that last getting, 10 yeah, feet. Yeah. yeah, which is surprising, very, very surprising.
2: We'll take a couple more phone calls in a minute. Zach Cassian did have a good game tonight. Two breakaway goals. Here's Zach.
7: Three down, but it looked like... Yeah, we're going to play hockey. We're not going to give up, but at the same time, um, you claw back. We're just not happy clawing back. We were were expecting to win that game. And and once again... um, they ended up getting a late one that uh, that hurts. Kind of like all three games of the trip, you guys are right there. Could've, could've yeah, of and it, it wears. It's it's frustrating. Um, Without a doubt, it's frustrating. Um, people watching are probably frustrated. Us as players are frustrated. Um, it's just uh, the way it's going. Looking forward after these three pretty close games, what's the biggest learning that you can move on going forward? Well, just shutting games out, I think. We've clawed our way back. Obviously, it's not the starts we wanted, but we found ways to get back in hockey games and just to, to win it, get, and get the two points. And uh, we failed to do so on a number of occasions, and tonight was another example of that.
2: Okay, that's Zach Cassian. Oilers fall behind, 3-0. They looked completely out of it. They fight back, go up 4-3, and then the Sharks come back and get the last three goals of the game to win 6-4 tonight. Carl, 7804960063. Hello, Carl. Hey. I uh, just want to start out with giving a shout out to Jack Michaels for uh, sticking it out all the way through that game. Well said. Um, uh, also, I just noticed something over the pass road trip. Obviously, we're missing two big pieces with Nugent and Larson out. Um, I think the decisiveness of the defenseman seems to be lacking getting that first pass out of there, um, like for the breakout. Um, passes obviously aren't tape to tape. Um, I just want to know
8: your thoughts on like uh, when the guys are mentally down. Like, do you think
5: Connor maybe has too much pressure um, being a young captain and
2: being under like the scrutiny of a, of a tough fan base? Uh, do you think like he's lacking maybe a support system uh, on the end of things? Well, that's an excellent question. First of all, I think you're bang on about the breakout passes and the tentativeness, and I think that goes back to confidence. Support system for McDavid? I mean, I mean that's a good question. Lucic was supposed to help there as a guy who's played in Stanley Cup Finals on 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 really good teams. I think he was probably Exhibit A coming in for that. Uh, I mean, I think Latestu was supposed to help a little bit with being a, a veteran guy. Do you think that, uh, I mean, to what extent do you think this is weighing on McDavid and maybe affecting his player up?
3: Well, I, I don't know if it's affecting his play a whole lot. As you've seen as of late, he's been very, very good. Um, I think, and one of the things they they held back when it was, you know, when they didn't give him the captain right away, is just when things aren't going well. The fact that you got to get trotted out in front of the press and answer the same question over and over, and it's always negative questions, yeah. and it's in a way that weighs on you, and when you are. Uh, a guy that's a winner all the time it's it's tough when, when you're losing and all the questions are coming to you so I, I do believe it does weigh on him and it weighs on him not just because he's the captain but because he is the face of this organization so when things aren't going right I think he takes that on himself
2: Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. 63 we got a minute here for Luke go ahead Luke Hey
10: guys how's it going? So my issue is basically with the management of the team I just don't get what they're doing I don't get what they've been doing over the last few years and wondering if you guys think maybe the ownership is taking a trickle down effect or something because i just don't see the vision that they have here they're trading assets away in my eyes they don't have wingers you know they don't have defense they don't really have anyone coming up in the lineup other than uh, yamamoto yeah i think so it's just wondering you know like you see the leafs you see tampa bay they seem to get what the future of hockey is. I just don't see what they're doing here. They have one of the most talented players in Connor McDavid, and it doesn't seem they're doing much to help them out. You know.
2: Well, they. I mean, I think Shirelli tried to get a goaltender, and Talbot had uh, a year and two thirds of being really good, and this year has been down. Obviously, he Shirelli tried to add some defense. Uh, you know, Larson. I know that trade is going to be debated forever. I don't want to do it right now. Larson, Sekra, guys. He went out and got Russell. You know, Russell and you know you can you can debate obviously but he but he tried to add D uh, Wanted you know, size. took a huge risk in Everly for Strom and that's you know obviously hurt we'll see how Strom develops uh, and I also think and, and a caller brought this up last night I, I do think current management and coaching are paying for the poor drafting record going back several general managers cuz you're right who do you call up Luke that can step in Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Davidson and Kara, I guess, are depth draft picks that have turned out okay. We'll see. Yeah, I just, I just don't see
10: this team with a vision right now. I think that's what
2: they need. Well, I think his vision was to get to get to improve the defense and to get bigger.
3: And yeah, he, and he did. It's just was not enough?
2: This year has not been enough, and obviously they needed more. They needed more this year.
10: Well, I, mean, you I think, think you, a, I think I think it's not a run and gun process. I think it's something that's supposed to take time. And I just feel they're they're rushing things too much with Connor, and you know he has a long career ahead of him. I think you know you need to be careful with a guy like that.
2: Well, and here's and here's the thing. You know, look, I have been critical of Shirelli for for sure. Pro- probably not as hard as some people out there because you get you get some extremes. By the time some of the draft picks, Peter Shirelli. Selected before we really know what they turn out to be, he probably won't be the GM, regardless of what happens over the next six months, right? Um, but I don't know. Bear, I mean, Jones, Mantha, guys he's I, added like that.
3: I don't, I don't, I don't know if I agree with that because if the Oilers I don't have,
2: think, if, I don't think Ethan Bear or Caleb Jones are on the team next year. No,
3: but if the Oilers have a good season next year, then Peter Shrelly's going to be here for longer. Time, oh, potentially. Okay, yeah. So yeah. Saying. So I yeah. mean, I, I, he, I'm sure he hopes that he gets to see if they bear fruit the the draft picks he had, and I guess that'll show you the other success. If he's around when those players uh, eventually get to the National Hockey League, then obviously he found the success he wanted.
2: Yeah, Luke. I, I think. I, I mean. I mean. Look. I, it's hard to give Shirelli a passing grade for what's happened this season. Like I wouldn't give him a passing grade. I'm not a I'm not a heavy like black and white type type person. I don't I don't think it's you know, you know that's simple. But if you look at the, the what he projected for his players over the summer, and the Everly for Strom trade, clearly this is not a good year for him. That's how I would summarize it. I think he had a plan, but it's it's not it's not working this year.
1: Yeah, I think that's
10: I, the best I way think to he's say just it. Just been riding that Cup win in Boston a bit too long. Well, oh, maybe you know sure. trading yeah, away for nothing and Hull and you know, I don't know. He's just
2: lost my faith. For yeah, sure. that's fair criticism. Thanks, Luke. Okay, we got to wrap it up here. Uh, Terrence, call next game. We'll get you in, but we're, we're running against the clock here. Oilers lose 6-4. We will have a broadcast 5.30 face-off show Monday, game at 7 against the Florida Panthers. Get more on 630 chetcom Thanks to our studio producer, Patrick Bauer. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins, Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre.